This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Right there, right there. up. This is the game. Yeah. It's a uh, cat and mouse. Smoked a turkey. <laughs> yes. He is down. He is freaking down. Said he shot an absolute giant. Fall Obsession, baby. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another Fall Obsession podcast. I will be your host today, Nick Powell. I am the media production manager for Fall Obsession. And with me today, I have a couple of guests. Uh, Our CEO, Sam Thrash. What's up, Sam? Hey, guys. How's it going? And then I have also our marketing manager, Drew Tordick. What's up, Drew? Hey, how's it going, Nick? It's going good. Glad to have you guys on here. Yeah, thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah, man. Looking forward to, to talking about Montana some more. Yeah, this is part two of our Montana series. Uh, so today we're going to do a little a fast recap of, of the 2019 season. I know, Drew, you have a couple of good stories of uh, some, some antelope that you've killed uh, up there in Montana. And then I'm really looking forward to talking about what we're going to look forward to, hopefully, with pending draw results uh, this year in Montana. So uh, let's dive right in. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, guys. So, But before we do dive in. Well, cut me off, Nick. Why don't you? Our... Just just cut I'm me off. I'm sorry. See, I told you. I'm a terrible host. <laughs> no, you are not. 71% of our followers <laughs> say otherwise. So. Yeah, by the way, guys, thanks for uh, voting on our poll there uh, to the 71%. Thank you guys for the support to the 29%. I'm trying to do better. Such a positive guy. Such a positive guy. Freaking love that guy, man. But anyways, before we get started here, I got to give a shout out to our partners over there at Elite Archery. I know Drew, you, and Sam are both shooting the new 2020 Cure. How are you liking it? Man, that 2020 Cure is sweet. Uh, I had a chance to shoot it in our most recent uh, virtual archery hunt or archery contest uh, that we're doing for our staff members. And that thing was sweet uh, for somebody who has only been shooting a compound bow for 
what a year now not even i i thought i did pretty well and i really enjoyed I shooting so i thought it was a lot of fun yeah that virtual archery tournament was a blast i was shooting the ritual 33 and man that thing i, I had it for what sam like five days before that tournament and yeah that thing was shooting like a dream Nick. Uh, just having it that short so i think that's just a that just goes to show how how well elite has done here in the last couple of years with their new bows that they've they've brought out nick won't brag on the podcast but he's the one who won the virtual archery tournament so i wasn't going to mention it but (laughs) yes i had some good competition out there though they were making me sweat so and just a second what these guys have said guys the yeah we we can't say enough about our bows and nick and nick and drew are are coming into um the archery world with elite and everything um with uh a year or two's experience bow hunting and stuff like that um just to give you guys a different perspective i've been i've been bow hunting for for many many years and i'm shooting the cure and it's probably one of the best bows that i've that i've shot as well so whether you're newer to bow hunting or you've been doing it for a while um the cure is worth checking out um all the way around it it will it will work for an archer in, in any walk of archery in my opinion so um be sure that you guys check them out leadarchery.com a lot of info on there for you guys a lot of info on our pages um regarding videos and and how to's our cure your obsession series is a good one to check out and uh and also uh go to your local dealer shoot one compare them to other bows and uh and see what you like the only way you're going to be disappointed is if you recently bought a different bow so (laughs) that's a great point but i'm ready to i'm ready to dive in if you guys are Uh, i know Sam, you and Chester had an episode. I believe it was our our first ever aired episode it about was, the. It was a 2019 Montana recap, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, or I think it was just titled Montana Pronghorn, but it is episode one of our Fall Obsession podcast. Also, the most downloaded podcast episode we've had to date, which is yeah. pretty cool. But uh, yes, yeah, so last year we, we've well to back up. So last week uh, we recapped our 2018 hunt when drew and i were up there hunting together so if you guys haven't listened to that episode i encourage you to go back and listen to it it's a good precursor to what we're going to talk about today but then um last year chester barnes uh, our good friend here at fall obsession he joined us up there for a hunt with me and drew um year number two and uh so him and i recapped that trip in in episode one probably going to be a few things that we mentioned that are that were mentioned back then in that episode but for the most part, we're going to be getting kind of Drew's perspective of some stuff that we went through up there. Um, yeah. We're going to talk about the difficulty and the hardships that we had compared to 2018, which is why I encourage you guys to listen to that episode first. Um, and then, like Nick said, um, we're we're pending draw results. We're, we're going back up again this year, so we're going to talk about our game plan kind of going up there. We're uh, literally at the time of recording this podcast tomorrow – we find out the draw results, so um, we're we're pretty anxious about that. And then uh, what we're gonna do, is, or what I'm gonna what I'm gonna send you, Nick, so that since you're the one that puts all this stuff together, um, <laughs> at the end of this episode, after the exit music, um, I am going to have a recording of just myself telling you guys the results of the draw tomorrow. 
So uh, be sure that you listen all the way to the end of the episode to, to find out if we if we really are going or if we're just blowing hot air here today. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Nick, why, you're you're hosting, so you're in charge. You have to tell me what you want me to talk about. So I'm actually more curious to hear what Drew is going to say and his perspective about the uh, the 2019 Montana pronghorn hunt. Well, fine, I will shut up. <laughs> so drew i know you and sam went in 2018 and then chester joined you guys in 2019 was there anything uh any cool stories funny stories that you want to share with us uh, of how how you thought it went up there last year so man that that hunt with chester was a lot of fun uh sam and chester and myself were out there and i gotta tell you i I thought it was a little funny the first day when you guys wanted to take that little UTV of yours. and Oh my gosh, that was the worst idea in the history of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) And we drove that thing 20 miles, uh, 45 miles an hour to the spot. And (laughs) three grown men squished into a little two-seater was... That's that's probably my highlight of the trip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, in all honesty, that was it was a great hunt. Uh, we had some really good opportunities at not only antelope but some sage grouse, which was a lot of fun as well. Yeah. Uh, so we, I know last week we talked about. Uh, while you were sitting in that ground blind, I was off scouting and found this honey hole. And so the following year, so 2019, we're out there and we go back to the private land. And I I kid you not, there's not a sign of antelope on this property. No tracks, no droppings. It it was a dead sea as far as the antelope go. Uh, Wasn't there... wasn't there a new fence around it too, Drew? And and that was part of part of what was causing that. You think? I, I think that was definitely playing a factor into it. Uh, it also, to that point, it it was warmer. Like we talked about last week, that spot gets really good once we get some snow, and it was it was a lot warmer this this past year. And that new fence with that real low bottom wire. Uh, I don't think they had learned kind of the ins and outs and some of the new crossings that they're using now. And it made things challenging. There just weren't antelope there while we were there. And we just made the deciding factor after one day of kind of tromping around there and taking that UTV it all the way out there and kind of not having options that first day that we were going to go try something different the second day and really put some effort into some spot and stock out on public land. And, I don't know how many of our viewers have had the opportunity to not only spot and stock antelope, but to try and do it on public land is that's a, that's a challenge in and of itself. Those things have seen people, they've been hunted, they, they know what's going on and it, it doesn't make the hunting easy, but it, it's a lot of fun still. And we had some really good opportunities. We, we had the chance to use the decoy the flag decoy and it ended up working really well for us and we had some really close encounters uh, i know chester got a shot at one and 
I mean, if you watch the video, it looked like he smoked that thing. It sounded good. It, uh, we kept watching that antelope, waiting for it to die, and it mm-hmm. just never did. It, it ran a long way, and as you don't see it in that in that video that we released, but we followed that thing for seven and a half miles, and and all day, and and all and a good portion that was on foot, following not not only just tracks, but it'd be every couple hundred yards there was a drop of blood here, a drop of blood there, and so we kept pushing it and kept walking and kept walking. And, and it always felt like he was going to be just over that next ridge, just over that next ridge. And it wasn't until sunset, the last 15 minutes of shooting hours that we finally caught up to where he had bedded down. And guys, that's what I was talking about in last week's podcast was the, how, what a great shot Sam made. And the fact that that thing was within sight of where he shot it, it those things cover some serious ground in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, what do they run like 70 miles an hour top speed yeah. 65 something like that so start doing the math on that and it doesn't take them long to get seven miles right even hurt so uh i know that looking back on that footage that should have been a dead antelope all day it somehow that arrow made it through without killing that antelope and i i don't know how it they talk about no man's land and I wouldn't even call that shot no man's land. We had we followed that antelope all day. We saw it again the next day. We saw it again, I think the day after even. And you could see the blood spot on its side right where... I mean, it's not an ideal shot, but it, it's in the vitals. Yeah, right. And those things are just tough. And guys, when when I tell you we put every ounce of effort into trying to find that one goat and to try and put him down that was our mission for three straight days yeah yeah it was it was a tough hunt and i know we were all kind of emotionally drained from it nobody wants to see an animal injured nobody wants to have to chase one around but we we definitely put all of our energy into the recovery on that yeah and a lot of times that's all you really can do and i think i feel like it's really easy to underestimate how tough these animals really are because they can, I mean, first of all, they live out in the wild, which is crazy to think about for us. But to take a shot like that and then to survive <laughs> is even crazier. Yeah, exactly. And so, Sam, you're going to have to remind me. I don't remember exactly what episode of Fall Obsessed Outdoors that was, if it was four or yeah. what. But It's Chapter 4, uh, Episode 1 is our mm-hmm. 2019 montana hunt so everything that a majority of what we're talking about today you guys can uh can go check it out on our website and youtube um it, on the fall obsessed outdoors playlist uh, and and side note uh 2018 is is chapter three um the year before that so you guys can watch that one as well but yeah i agree with you drew it's uh it, it it sucks and and we put everything we had i mean we, we the, the whole day and then some was was just towards trying to get that that goat and i don't know if you remember but the next morning even we started our day um where we had ended it the day before um where we had found where he had bedded and it was super super foggy that morning and you could barely see anything and and somehow we found him briefly yep I, yeah, I do remember that, and I remember 
how, how we were trying to use the fog to our advantage to try and get into them. And it, it's like we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about those things on public land are really aware of human activity, especially once you step out of the truck. So he would hang out while we were in the truck, but the second one of us got out or somebody tried to make a move on him, he was gone. Yeah, it, it was, it, it truly is uh, a game of cat and mouse, um, 100%. It's uh, and, and a challenge like I'd never, I've never had before. It, it, it had uh, 2019, I, 2018 was a challenging hunt for me more so than any deer hunting I'd done down here in Texas. And then 2019, the next year, just absolutely topped that. It was, it, it, it is the hardest hunt I've been on a part of so far. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's crazy how quickly things can do a complete 180 because, I mean, if you go back and watch that video, we spotted him, saw him out on his own, kind of chasing another buck around, got ourselves behind a hill, parked the truck, got out, got the fan decoy out, and we topped the hill just enough to put the head of that fan decoy out and like we talk about with these things, the curiosity, that thing came in to check us out and it was broadsided, what, 43 yards, 42 yeah. yards, something like that. And I mean, Chester made a great shot. I don't, I don't want to say anything about his shooting in a negative light because if you watch the footage, he made a great shot. If you pause and you kind of rewind and fast forward and, you look at where he's aiming, his shot was dead on the money, heart shot all day long. That antelope ducked the string, saw that arrow coming in, and dropped just enough that that arrow hit high and a little bit back. But if you look at where the arrow hit and kind of move it around, that should have been a dead antelope if you didn't see that arrow coming in. And I just remember watching him shoot it and the first thing I did was pat him on the shoulder because I thought for sure that thing was going to die. Oh, yeah. We we all reacted based on the sound of that arrow hitting him. I, and me too. You see the camera, like, move around real quick and kind of go off go go off to the side a little bit because I'm over there grabbing him and hugging him too because, it, I mean, we thought, he, we thought we just killed an antelope, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, I was pumped because that was going to be our, our first – antelope kill with that flag decoy and I, i'd seen some videos on it before and tried it a couple of times but never had one come in like that like that guy came in looking for a fight and chester hit him right where he should have and that it just bad luck and sometimes things like that happen when you're hunting yeah and and that whole story the whole the 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 what turned out to be a, a a not ideal shot with him ducking um and just a tough animal and then us trying to track him down and spending all that time trying to trying to finish what we started that that's not something that a lot of the guys like to share that's not a story that guys like to tell that's not a story a lot of people tell on on a podcast or on a hunting video or stuff like that but i think it it builds character for us, and it also could benefit somebody else out there later on by by hearing that story. And it also kind of helps bring us back down to earth because, uh, as we've mentioned just throughout the episodes and the weeks, 
that we've been doing this podcast we're we're not we're not celebrities we're not anything special we're everyday hunters like you guys and we deal with this stuff the same as y'all so um you haven't hunted if you hadn't missed and you hadn't hunted if you've if you hadn't lost an animal is what i say so yeah and and i think that's the other thing too is i think talking about it i think no fault as to the way the video was edited the first time i think we just didn't get the shots to edit it in a different way because we were so focused on trying to make the recovery that we just didn't get a lot of shots of tracking that blood trail and the slow slow process that it was trying to follow that blood and that sage on gravel and man if you want to find some difficult tracking conditions go go try and track an antelope in sagebrush with gravel (laughs) it's it's almost impossible to find blood and it's a good thing we had eyes on that thing the whole time and kind of knew the general direction he was going and what paths he had taken and it was it was challenging but i i think it's good for our viewers to know that we're not out there just shooting antelope and then it doesn't die so then oh well we're on to the next one we put every effort into making that recovery that we could yeah and and there were definitely other antelope that we could have made a move on and tried for but we were committed to go and finish that one off yeah absolutely Nick, take this conversation somewhere not so dark and depressing. All right, I will. Because you guys talking about how challenging uh, both of these years have been are really making me look forward to <laughs> this year. <laughs> Nick's like, I, I'm regretting it. I hope I don't get drawn. I'm regretting it. No, no. I'm In all honesty, I'm really excited and uh, looking forward to, to getting out there. Um, like you said at the beginning, we are – awaiting draw results so the the anxiety is real but i would like to talk about a little just a little bit about what uh we have to look forward to and what are some because it like like you said this is my first time so i really i'm not sure what to expect luckily i've seen videos and stuff from you guys uh going up there but that's really all i have to go off of um so what what are some things that i can expect to to run into i guess because uh i know we had a video that was released called the uh in our untold story series of of the one mile crawl and so i know sam you have some fond memories of that oh man the one mile crawl was uh it it was a long crawl (laughs) that's what it was i mean this around a mile the story is not very eventful it's we spotted it was the last day and we spotted this group uh this group of bucks out by this watering hole and they were on the other side of this big open plain and like a long way out there and it looked like we had a little draw a little low spot that could get us out there pretty close and looked it up on the onyx maps and decided we were going to make a move so chester hung back because we were just trying to decrease our footprint out there because right. you know a hunter a guide and a cameraman is is a lot wandering around out there sometimes so just me and drew started sneaking out there and what uh what started as a a little draw a little a low spot turned into a shadow basically like there there was nothing out there for us there was no cover so drew and i are crawling on our hands and knees and our bellies for like an hour and a half trying to get close enough to to these goats 
Um, and, and for a, a little bit there toward the end, it looked like it might actually work because we got within, I think the closest range Drew got was like 144 yards. And then all it took was the wind swirling once and they were out of there and our whole, our whole hunt, was, our whole stock was blown. We looked back at the truck and we're like, man, that, that really is a long way. So we dropped a pin where we were and then we walked back to the truck and, and took a look at how far it was. And I, I guess it was right about a mile, wasn't it, Drew? Yeah, I think it was actually a little over a mile. Oh, and man. Yeah, and the interesting <laughs> thing was, had that wind not swirled, I think we were... So like you had said, it, it went to a shadow at one point, but it was almost getting better again because... yeah. We had we had options. We could have gone left or right. They they've kind of wide there, and we were in a really good place to make a move on those. And you know sometimes the things just happen and the wind swirled at the wrong time, and that's all it took. And they were gone. And it did not take them long to cover a lot of ground. Yeah, they were <laughs> they were gone, and and in the next county within a minute, and it just put in perspective how how much we work for so little and then how quickly everything can change and we're standing there with nothing in front of us. So, uh, yeah. Nick, you're, and you're, it, you're wanting to know about advice, bring some knee pads. Cause I was pulling gotcha. cactus out of my knee for two weeks after that, that stalk. <laughs> All right. So, so Drew, should I, uh, should I bring some like painters knee pads with some plastic on them or like some volleyball knee pads with some cushion? What do you suggest? Well, I mean, if you're going to wear the plastic ones, I'd wear them underneath your pants, so make sure they fit. Uh, the soft volleyball ones might not be a bad idea, but that's some pretty rugged terrain, and they're not going to be in great shape when you're done crawling through there. Uh, <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I know I know the preferred method, or not method, but sort of some preferred clothing for that option is uh, – Sitka makes a really nice pair of pants that's got those built-in knee pads and it's got some pretty tough material and that really does help hold those cactus at bay okay yeah so definitely worth the money there uh the other thing i would say on that sam that i i don't know if we've talked about this much but we got in close enough to notice that it was actually a bachelor group uh i can't was five or six of them there and yeah i think there was five and when we started like when we started we could from the distance we could tell there was at least one buck in the group but it wasn't until we we got right up there pretty close within a couple hundred yards that we realized that it was all bucks yeah yeah and i actually one thing that we haven't talked about and i don't even know if it made it in the footage of that but one of those bucks was actually the one that chester shot and that was, what, four days later, five days later? Yeah. He, so, wow. He shot that buck, I think, on day two, and that was the last day. That was day number six. That was that was the last stalk, the last ditched effort to try and do something before before we hung it up. And, uh, yeah, that was four days later. Yeah, and that wasn't something that we could see from the distance, but it was, it just, it was a coincidence. It was a few miles from where we had lost him last, and I guess the only way we could really tell it was him was that red spot on his side. And mm. guys, that that thing moved like every other buck in that group. It was not limping. It wasn't slow. It was. It was. Uh, I don't want to say unharmed because he was bleeding, but it, it was. 
it was amazing to see how quick that that antelope could move yeah he he was keeping up with the rest of them just fine so it was encouraging for sure so you said there was pretty good distance between you and the antelope that you couldn't even tell they were bucks or not what kind of distances are you talking about oh bro one mile like from from where we started to to the water hole like like drew said over a mile like that we're trying to glass and and look and at that distance we could only make out one uh just with their position and how they were bedded and everything we could only make out one that we knew was a buck and at that i mean (laughs) our our, now granted our our tags were for either sex so it didn't really matter but at that point like we were running out of options so we had to try right yeah absolutely so some good binoculars would be a a good uh good piece of equipment to take this year yeah get i mean getting back to what you're to what you're asking with uh you know stuff to prepare for um yeah yeah be knee pads are are in all seriousness (laughs) not a bad idea good glass is another thing um and and then uh you want to be prepared for both warm and and colder weather out there obviously the last two years we've dealt with snow both years and then above all man footwear because because we covered some miles on foot um during that week for sure Drew can probably awesome. give some more feedback on that too. Yeah, I mean, we covered a lot of miles, uh, but I guess going back to what you're saying, that getting good glass is huge. Uh, this year, after kind of what we had done last year, I I made the decision to order one of those Vortex spotting scopes and one of the high power ones too. Just it's. Having binoculars is nice, but having that spotting scope sitting on a tripod and having that really still view when you're looking at something that's from where we saw it, Sam, where we saw that bachelor group, I know it was over two miles that we spotted them. And yeah, because we drove down a little bit farther to get in a better spot to to start our stock. So you're yeah, you're right. Did y'all spend a lot of time glassing? Uh, where where we hunt, it's down there on the public land. It's uh sage grass flats and so it's actually really easy to see them from a distance that white sticks out pretty good on the green gotcha it's trying to get into them with knee-high cover is (laughs) always a challenge right yeah absolutely there's also some pretty significant hills out there um that if you get up on top of them you can see a a long long ways and like you (laughs) we were able to to spot groups of pronghorn out there um, on the flats and some of the draws from on top of those hills, but uh, from that distance, being able to tell if it was if they were bucks, does, or, or what they were was it was impossible at that distance. Gotcha. That makes sense. And then I think I think you might have mentioned it in part one of this series, of this podcast series, that uh, you were able to use the terrain in those hills to to get a little bit closer instead of having to actually crawl the entire way the entire two miles or whatever it was to get close to them yes Um, so that's one thing i wanted to talk about in part two here about 2019 was the difference in terrain between the the private piece of land that we were hunting on um, in 2018 versus having to go to public um, blm land in 2019 is is we had a lot more hills we had a lot more uh or i should say shorter draws and stuff and and deeper draws that we could use more tactically to our advantage in 2018 
Whereas public land, like Drew said, there are a bunch of antelope out there, but it's so flat. Like, and I know we're talking about you know draws and shadows and hills, but the majority of the time, it it's so flat that spot and stalk is very difficult, and mm-hmm. it, it's hard to get within bow range. And I am I'm a bow hunter through and through. And if we get drawn, I'm going to be going back up there this year with the intention of killing one with my bow. But one reason that um, I didn't put in, like I had the last two years for the archery only tag, why I told you not to put in for the archery only tag, Nick, is is to give us that option to kill one with a rifle. Um, right. Because because of those challenges and because Montana, Texas to Montana and back again is a long commute to come home empty-handed. Absolutely. So as much as I want to kill another one with a bow and I don't want to touch a rifle, if if that's what it comes down to, then that that's what we're going to do because the the terrain and being flat and everything out there, it, it can make it challenging for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's flat, but it's also after we got out and we did some hiking, the other thing is you got to be able to cover a lot more ground mm-hmm. when we're hunting that flat BLM stuff, because sometimes in order to get to these antelope, the best way to do it is to walk completely away from them and circle around and get into a spot where you can get into one of those really low gullies. And when I say low gullies, I'm talking six feet deep at the deepest, like you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're just below eye line and, using whatever terrain is there to get in close and i know after hiking around out there some after after our hunt out there that there there is a possibility to get out there and really use that terrain but again it's one of those things where you kind of have to hunt it a few times to learn how some of those draws connect and what the right way to get to certain areas is because otherwise you're going to be out there and you're going to inadvertently bust yourself crossing over a spot where you shouldn't, where you're all of a sudden visible to everybody on the flat. There's also situations where you have, you might have more than one group. You might have a group on kind of in front of you and a group that's kind of traveling with them, if you will, but they're somewhat separate off to the side. And that, that makes it even more difficult when you're having to watch your move from two different directions and you can only go after one, you know? So, Got you. All I was talking about is making me more excited. <laughs> I know that much. You're going to get up there, man. You're going to be like, I can't believe you all talked me into this. This freaking sucks. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure I'll think that just the opposite. Just watch. You're probably going to kill one first stock, and Drew and I are going to be struggling the rest of the week, and you're going to be like, I don't know what y'all's problem is. This this is easy. Piece <laughs> <laughs> of <a> cake. <laughs> Well, I feel like I'm I'm definitely a little bit more prepared uh, than I was before this podcast. You guys have anything else you want to add? Man, it's again, it, it's cat and mouse, and I know we could talk about stories from there. We could talk about our experiences. We could talk about our frustrations, our disappointments, our, and the stuff we we enjoy and look forward to. We could talk about that stuff all day long and and make a couple hours worth out of it, but. Um, obviously we don't have that time and it would be pretty repetitive, but it, it is, it, as a guy coming, excuse me, as a guy coming from a, a bow hunter down in Texas, a whitetail hunter and going up there and trying something new like that. Um, 
it, it challenges you. It, it can discourage you if you let it. But if you if you take it constructively and you learn from it, it can build you into not only a better bow hunter, but a better hunter and outdoorsman in general, in my opinion. Being able to experience stuff like that and being able to do that kind of stuff, um, it, it, it's what improves us, in, in my opinion, and, and makes us better. So um, last year we were we were unsuccessful but i think we were the better for it um because or at least i was i'll speak for myself because i learned a lot and uh and it's going to benefit me down the road in my opinion which reminds me drew um one thing we were going to talk about after chester and i left a, a month or two later you actually did kill a couple we wanted to hear that story yeah yeah I was I was thinking about that as you were talking, Sam, and I was like, "Wait, we're not we we're not done yet. <laughs> we're not done yet." <laughs> yeah, and so I know we've been pretty doom and gloom about how tough it is to kill antelope, um, but it's not always the case. This year, I was out on an elk hunt, and I went to a new mountain range, as I'm sure I've talked about in some videos. And I went later in the season this year, I think. It was November when I was out there, uh, and so it was a little past, little past the rut, and things had been hunted, and I was, in all honesty, a little frustrated uh, with how elk hunting had been going. It had, it had rained, and the snow was as loud as you could imagine, and elk hunting was kind of a no-go and in a moment of frustration with elk hunting i made the two-hour drive from elk camp down to go antelope hunt for the day and i remember leaving elk camp and those guys thought i was crazy and i said no i'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna go kill my antelope and fill my tags today and i'll be back <laughs> so ambitious i know <laughs> right dang and those guys laughed at me and I, I was laughing at myself too, but I honestly was just done hunting in that crunchy snow and needed a break. And I pulled up right to the property that we've talked about, that private property that we had hunted a month and a half before and not seen any sign. And it had snowed and I was just going to sort of test the theory that once it snows, that spot is good. And if it didn't work out, then I was going to go check out the BLM. And I'm not, I'm not kidding, guys. I got out of the truck. I walked downwind to the downwind corner of the property, walked up my first hill. And 100 yards away was a buck and a doe. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I, I think I was hunting for all of maybe 15 minutes. And shot the biggest antelope of my life and after i shot the buck then the doe stood there and looked at me and since i had a b tag i shot that one as well and so <laughs> that's crazy within 15 minutes i had two antelope on the ground and later that afternoon i was i was butchering antelope and the next day i was back at out camp with antelope in the freezer wow man i mean I that's a wild story in itself but I just have to, to point out the fact that you were able to leave elk camp where you're hunting elk 
and just go hunt antelope real like a couple hours away yeah I guess that just seems crazy to me because we don't i mean down here in texas we don't have uh you know a whole lot of public land to to go to or blm land to go to and so it's like either it's private or if you if you don't have private that you you own then you have to pay for it and so i think that's just crazy to to wrap my head around you were at elk camp and then you just leave you're like i'm gonna go fill some antelope tags today (laughs) (laughs) when put two on the ground in 20 minutes it'll blow your it'll blow your mind too nick that a lot of the times when we're out there um hunting antelope or at least the last two years that we're we see a, quite a few whitetail and mule deer out there too while we're out there wandering around. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh man. I know the one you guys saw from the ground blind last year was that was a nice one. <laughs> okay, okay, Drew. <laughs> so What's that? Okay, so that was a joke. <laughs> What? Okay, you gotta let me and the rest of us in on this joke. Oh, I guess Drew's not in on the joke either. <laughs> no, I'm not. So I'm I, I, I'm out and not with these guys because they wanted to sit, and I thought I'd do some more, you know, some scouting and see if I couldn't find something else. And I get a text on my phone, and it's look at this mule deer that was 35 yards away, and it's just a monster. So, <laughs> so was that off Google? <laughs> so Chester and I were in a ground blind for eleven hours that day, and when you're in a ground blind for eleven hours, you get pretty bored. I'm just saying. <laughs> so we're in this ground blind, and there's all these tracks around the watering hole, but we're not seeing anything. Obviously, um, I don't remember even remember what time of day we did this at, but. Um, we were throwing around the idea of, well, they, I guess they could have been mule deer. You know, we, we don't know. Maybe they're pronghorn. Maybe they're mule deer. You know, maybe we're, we're sitting here in vain. And so Chester, Chester starts thinking, I'll throw him under the bus since he's not in this conversation. (laughs) Um, Even though I don't really remember whose idea it was, but one of us had the idea to mess with Drew and told him, tell him that we had a, a stud mule deer there because drew as we mentioned in previous podcasts he has a pocket full of tags every year so i'm sure he had a mule deer tag up his sleeve that he would have been willing to fill so <laughs> i got on the google and i found me a picture of a stud mule deer that was running that kind of matched the terrain that was behind us and i sent it to drew <laughs> that's awesome and uh so i send that to drew and we get drew comes and picks us up after dark and we get in the truck and drew starts talking about how he's gonna have to go back there and uh and try to kill that buck and chester looked at me and we kind of chuckled and later that night we're like should we tell him and chester's like we'll tell him before we leave here before we go home back to texas and we never did. <laughs> I'm yeah. so, so I am sorry, Drew. I did not realize that we hadn't have told you that. And I think it's hilarious that it's coming out on a podcast. But I'm sorry, buddy. I hope you didn't waste too much time over that. I was going to say, Drew, did you actually go back to that blind and sit? Hey, you want to know something funny? Well, I mean, there's two 
kind of funny things about that. So on our way out, I don't know if it was that night or the next night, out of the BLM land, we almost hit one of the biggest whitetail bucks I've ever seen out there with oh, the wow. truck. That is true. <laughs> and so it, they're around. And, I mean, you guys might have been joking, but I went back to that spot, not exactly where you were sitting, but I was within a mile and a half of where you guys were sitting, which on that BLM flat is no distance at all. And I found a really nice mule deer buck and it was the very last day of season. And I was not even deer hunting at that point because I had, uh, I filled my tag the day before because it was the second to last day and I didn't have a lot of time to hunt left. And I figured, you know what, some meat in the freezer is fine. And so I just shot a really nice doe and put my tag on that. And the next day, sure enough, I had the biggest mule deer I've ever seen at 200 yards for 45 minutes. And I sat there and watched him. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> Dang and it. Talk about regret and, and, and the thoughts that go through your head. And, <laughs> man, it, it was awesome to sit and watch him. And I know where I'm going to look for him this year. And <laughs> That wow. that was a really nice animal or nice mule deer. It had, it, it was a it was a real solid four by four, and it had kickers off of pretty much everywhere. And Dang. I would I would have not hesitated to shoot that had I had a, a tag in my pocket. Dang, well, sounds like a stud. I'm glad that we uh, were able to point you in the right direction then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm sorry that you're just now finding out on the podcast. I thought we told you before we left. (laughs) That's fine. And you know what? That's the great part about where we hunt out there is uh, we haven't even really talked about this. And I don't know if any of the footage ever made it into any of the videos. But while we were antelope hunting, we came across a herd of elk down on the sagegrass flats. And yeah, I had an elk. Yeah, I had an elk tag in my pocket, and listen, guys, had I had my new cure that I have this year, I would have been all over that in a second Mm. because they were right there, and it was archery only at that time, and it's also just the zone and the way the tags work out there that it's, it's either sex for archery, but it's not for rifle season, and so... I don't. I, I think we counted four or five really, really nice bulls. I know one of them was a seven by seven, and that thing was amazing. I, I was going to say we're we're talking about in the high three hundreds for for score on these bulls at least. Like these these are no joke stud bulls that that any hunter would be willing to take. Yeah, and I, we we were two hundred yards away from them, yeah. if that. And they were they were just in there just bugling and fighting and chasing each other around and if i yeah if if it would have been this year uh, we would have been in there calling right on the edge of that property of the the private and the blm and we would have been trying some some bugling and trying some calling to try and get them across that boundary because yeah yeah that, that was that was a great time well, all right uh i'm being a bad host and I'll, I'll get us back on track here um come on come on nick Quit, quit being a 29 percenter. 
<laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, so, Drew, I know you said that uh, recently, or not recently, but you've only been pronghorn hunting the last, like, what, three or four years, something like that. Um, yeah. So is there anything over that over that span of time that, like, any type of equipment, anything um, that you have gone out there and wish you had and then later said, well, yeah, I should have brought this or I should have brought that. Uh, is there any certain type of equipment that you can think of off the top of your head that, that you would take with you that you, that you hadn't previously? Yeah, I actually, I made the decision this year to buy a spotting scope, uh, just based on last year and how we could sit at the top of the hill and see the groups and not be able to tell what was there and not really pick apart which, which group was worth going after. Uh, so I, I did invest in that and that's great also for elk hunting spot and stock out in Montana as well. So, uh, that's something I'll be carrying this year. Uh, the other thing is getting a rifle that can shoot out of ways. Uh, it's not uncommon to take shots that are, you know, I mean, a hundred 150 yards is a close shot on an antelope a lot of the times with that rifle. So it's, to be able to shoot at a distance would be one thing. So finding a really nice gun with a really nice glass on it. Uh, I really like the one that I picked up. And I guess the other thing you mentioned knee pads, those would be really nice to have for that mile long crawl. But <laughs> I think just having the right gear. Um, I know when we went with Chester being from Texas, he, he was cold. <laughs> and it wasn't like he, it wasn't that he was just wearing shorts and a t-shirt thinking it was going to be warm he was bundled up but you know finding the right gear that really keeps you warm is really advantageous because being comfortable when you're hunting it it makes it a lot easier to hunt all day gotcha that's a good point so <laughs> sam i know you've been a couple of years now is there do you have anything that that uh that Drew hasn't said that you would you would take with you that you hadn't. I don't I don't think that there's anything that that hadn't been mentioned at one point. I, I will second everything that Drew said. Um, and and the other thing, a couple things that I'll touch on again. Again, I'll mention footwear. Uh, I know my my boots the last two years haven't been ideal. They've worked, but they haven't been probably the best choice for um, that kind of hunting. So I'm definitely going to be trying to bring another different pair of boots up with me this year. Um, and, and the other thing I would say from a bow hunter standpoint is practice with and find a pair of gloves that you can shoot with, that you can still get consistent oh. anchor points with and that, um, and get comfortable and get familiar with what it feels like to shoot with gloves. Because if you're, if you're bow hunting up there and it's cold, chances are you're going to have gloves on. And maybe if, if you're shooting, if it more than likely, you're going to prefer a thinner pair of gloves, um to actually shoot with so um you might also play around with some setups to where you have you got two two pairs of gloves on basically you got a warmer pair for when you're out there you're walking around or or commuting and then once you actually start getting in a stock you can peel those off and go with your your thinner lighter ones that that you're comfortable shooting with if that makes sense so that's another yeah yeah that's another thing i would definitely think about from the bow hunting standpoint uh, or maybe even the firearm standpoint too with the trigger finger you know but um have, have a pair of gloves that you're comfortable shooting with with on your hands so yeah that's good stuff 
I'll even th- I'll even throw one extra in there, and that's where we're hunting. There's sage grouse, so throw a throw a bird arrow in your quiver. You know, one you don't mind shooting at the ground and messing up. Uh, I know Chester got a really nice sage grouse, and he he was a little frustrated at at wrecking that brand new slick trick shooting it into the ground. So. <laughs> Yeah, the, we didn't have the ideal broadhead set up for that. He made it work, but uh, you know, get you a get you a solid broadhead on there. I'm sure Andy Meeks might have some recommendations. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I think he probably does. <clears throat> well, guys, I, I definitely feel more prepared going into this year's hunt, uh, and I appreciate you guys sharing your wisdom, uh, even though y'all may not think it's it's very much wisdom it's more than i have and i know there's a lot of guys out there that could put it to use as well as well as i will so i just want to thank you guys for coming on here and and sharing your sharing your thoughts with me uh do you have any any final thoughts at all man one thing i want to mention just uh as we start going up there as we get closer to this trip and and of course during the trip one thing that at least nick and i have discussed and one thing we plan on doing is we're going to be podcasting our way through it so once we start getting our way, getting into the fall, um, we're, we'll probably be dishing out kind of like we did here with a part one and part two. We'll probably have a several, several week long series in our, in our fall obsession podcast over our Montana trip, because when we get back to the lodge after a long day of hunting, you know, we're, we're cooking a good meal. We're sitting down, we're de- decompressing. Um, and, and that's a perfect time to, to set some mics up and kind of kind of recap the day, you know, while it's fresh on the mind. So um, I fully expect us to take advantage of that while we're up there and uh, and and knock out some podcast episodes for for our listeners straight from the field. Heck, yeah, I'm, I'm freaking stoked for it. Yeah, I guess I got I got one more thing. And that's uh, we mentioned field staffer Andy Meeks and, uh, you know, he happened to draw a Montana archery tag and he made the decision not to come hunt with us. So all I got to say to him is that (laughs) he he better, wow. And he better get it on video because he's missing out on hunting with us. That's right. I agree. So I, I I was talking to him because he has a a release that I, I'm wanting to try out. And so he was kind enough to to stick it in the mail for me. And I asked him, I said, are you going to, hopefully you can come hunt with us in in montana and he did say that if he's not successful when he goes he's gonna he's gonna sneak up there with us so i kind of hope he's he's unsuccessful when he is uh, <laughs> when, when he goes up there to hunt himself but uh if if he is successful then I'm, i'll be happy for him still come hang out with us andy come on man yeah come on andy yeah we can't we can't trash talk him too bad I know I'm going to be out there in the backcountry at the same time he's antelope hunting, and he's already committed to if we get if we get some bulls down in the backcountry, he's going to come help us pack them out if he's close and if he's already got one down. So, heck yeah, nice, yeah. Well, all right, guys, I guess we'll we'll go ahead and wrap it up. I just want to thank our listeners for for hanging in there with us while we ramble on about Montana. Hopefully, you guys took away something from it. Hopefully, you guys learned something. Um, I know I did. If you haven't already, go follow us on Facebook and Instagram and, and check out this podcast. We have, I think this is 
I don't know, we're in the twenties now, twenty something episodes. So we got a lot of a lot of good content for you guys to listen to. If you have any suggestions on any podcasts that you you guys want to hear, we may not know much about that topic, but I guarantee you we know somebody who does. Uh, and so if you guys want to give us some suggestions on on what we can talk about, there's a place on our website, it's follow obsession dot com slash podcast there's a place at the bottom where you can go out and fill out a suggestion form uh it'll come right to us if you guys have any questions or anything like that you can go on our on any of our social media pages and reach out uh but don't please don't hesitate to reach out drew sam thank you guys for being here you bet miss anything yeah it was a good time all right guys with that we'll we'll shut her down all right Uh, also guys again Sorry, oh, one more thing. I'm going to interrupt no, you now fine. because you interrupted me at the beginning. <laughs> be sh- again, be sure that you guys listen till after the music stops at the end of this episode because I'm going to put something in there and tell you guys if we got drawn or not. So be sure you yes. listen to the end. Anything else, Sam? I- I'm done now, man. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you uh, on the next follow-up session podcast. See you later. Catch you later. Hey guys, Sam here again. Wanted to give you guys a quick rundown on the results of our 2020 Montana draw. As we said we would do in the episode, um, like we mentioned before, we would much rather have recorded the last two weeks' episodes after we found out the draw results, but um, due to our schedules and how recording times worked out, um, we were unfortunately unable to do that. Um, The draw really was not quite... uh, As we had hoped, unfortunately, despite my being drawn the last two years for Montana, it is not going to be a third for me. I was unsuccessful in uh, obtaining my antelope tag. Nick Powell, who put in for his for the very first time this year, he was also unsuccessful. So looks like Nick and I are going to be sticking to some deer hunting this upcoming fall. No pronghorn for us this year. And Drew, he was successful in drawing his antelope A tag. However, he did not get his antelope B tag. So Drew's at least going to hopefully get one on the ground this year, um, and hopefully somebody's going to be able to be up there with him to document, but don't know if that's going to be Nick or I. So um, thank you guys for tuning in. Wish that we could have been giving you guys some better results, but I hope that you guys at least got something out of these last two weeks' worth of episodes. Hope that it was enjoyable for you guys, and you took something away from it. So thanks for listening.